Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on After the Sudden. Let's jump in to the Word today, all right? We're going to be getting into that book of Acts here in just a few minutes. I just want to recap. I've just had so much fun over the last few weeks, starting back to April 5th, the week before Easter. We talked, it was Palm Sunday, and we talked about how they laid palm branches before Jesus as he entered into Jerusalem, and he was way more concerned with fruit, not leaves. And so you go back to the garden, and you see that they covered themselves in their disobedience with leaves. And so many times, we've got to crucify him spirit, but we are laying palm branches down, right? And so it's way more important that we focus on bearing good fruit and not just what everybody sees us doing, covering up with fig leaves. April 12th, we talked um, on Easter Uh, The beautiful picture of the angels not only rolling the stone away, but sitting on the stone. Heaven sits on everything that is an obstacle to your destiny and your promise and your purpose. They don't just move it out of your way. They actually use it for your good and for their glory, all of heaven. Amen? So April 19th, the week after, too good to be true, but it is ignorant brethren, right? And so we have ignorant brethren. Sometimes we are ignorant brethren. Sometimes I am the ignorant brethren, and it's possible to be a brethren and still be ignorant and live a deficient life in the kingdom. And so we don't want to be the ignorant brethren. April 26, go or no-go, the decision, go or no-go. We're in a go or no-go holding pattern, and we have to make a decision whether we are going to obey the words of Jesus or not. Matthew, uh, May 3rd, we talked about the 40 days and how it correlated to the 40 days of quarantine plus 10 more days and ended on May 10th, and how that correlates with Jesus' time, 40 days, and then When he ascended, he said, go and wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. And so if he stayed around 40 days and the Holy Spirit fell on Pentecost, then we know it was 10 more days, right? Which is so amazing. And so we think there was such significant prophetic picture with our Sunday here last week. And last week we talked about how the kingdom works suddenly. Just like on the day of Pentecost, just like when Paul was riding his donkey, suddenly, 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 when Peter was in jail, suddenly, when Paul and Silas were praising God at midnight, suddenly, suddenly things happen. We cannot discount God based on the forecast. We have to believe no matter what the sky looks like. We have to hold to his word. And so today, I want to just continue in this same vein, just walking through the implications of the resurrection before and after and continue to walk into where we are in the timeline. So today, what about after the suddenly? What happens after the suddenly? If you'll turn to Acts chapter 2, we're going to do a lot of reading or paraphrasing today. We're going to go through several chapters of Acts here and then we'll be done. 
On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of every, out from, from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues. Empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Verse 5. Now at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from. That's what I want. A roaring sound that crowds come running to see where it's coming from. Stunned over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, they said to one another, aren't these all Galileans? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages? You know, last week we talked about the reality that sometimes we get so caught up in a particular manifestation, but the manifestation is only there to bring about communication, The manifestation is there to bring about uh, a revelation of the kingdom. Whether we speak in a tongue, whether we demonstrate power through signs and wonders, the gifts of the kingdom are in place to, to communicate the wealth of the kingdom. And so that's what it's for. Matter of fact, I just, I meant to read this last week and I'll just jump into here real quick. Um, in, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4, it says, The one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual progress, while the one who prophesies builds up the church. I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues, but I desire even more that you impart prophetic revelation to others. Greater gain comes through one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless there is interpretation so that it builds up the entire church. Verse 6, my dear friends, what good is it if I come to you always speaking in tongues? But if I come with a clear revelation from God or with insight or with a prophecy or with a clear teaching, I can enrich you. So tongues edifies oneself, but prophecy edifies the body unless there is interpretation. And so we, uh, it's not about the tongue. We're not around seeking a tongue. We're around seeking to enrich the body and then to enrich the world around us through the power that is endued upon us through the Holy Spirit. And so all these people are hearing them speak with their own language. So what happened after the suddenly the kingdom of God was demonstrated to the world? 
So many times we get caught up in the suddenly, we get caught up in the moment, we get caught up in the emotion, we get caught up in some type of manifestation, and we leave feeling like that was a successful encounter. But the only time that we can judge whether an encounter was successful is if it has an impact on the world around us. God is not um, looking to have these encounters with us just to make us feel better about ourselves. He's looking to love us, yes, lavish on us the wealth of the kingdom, but it is to impact the world around us. He is as, as, as passionate about your neighbor as he is you. My dad always used to say, and he would repeat in another Minister, but he would say, if God can get it to you, get it through you, he'll get it to you. He wants to get stuff through us and he wants to get stuff to us. Can you just imagine Peter? So here they are, they're blown away, and some people are mocking and say, These guys are drunk. And then we see Peter in verse 14. Peter stood up with the 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. You need to clearly understand what's happening here. These people are not drunk like you think they are, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. This is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. For God says, hold on, we're gonna read what prophet Joel said in just a minute. But I am amazed at the people that think that is anti-spiritual to explain what's happening in an encounter with God. I've been criticized because something will happen. Someone may speak in tongues. Someone may give a, a, a word of knowledge. Someone may do these things. And I want to get up and explain what happened. And people will literally say, man, the Holy Spirit doesn't need you to explain who he is or tell people what he's doing. Well, that's funny because Acts 2, 4 was the very first time that he filled people with the Holy Spirit and with power, and immediately following, Peter felt the need to explain because he thought it was very important that the people clearly understood what was happening there. I think nine times out of ten, what is more the case of people who criticize people who explain is because they don't know what's going on, so they don't want to have the pressure of explaining what's going on themselves. I just want to get emotional and go with the flow. I don't want any pressure about having to explain it with people. I don't want to get emotional or go with any flow that we can't have a conversation about. Now, I'm not saying I don't want to be free and I don't want God to do whatever he wants to do. And some of the conversations might be, I don't have a clue what's happening right now. But I still don't want to be afraid to have a conversation about it. If we're afraid to have a conversation about it, Afraid is not supposed to be in the vocabulary of dealing with the Holy Spirit, Amen. right? And so he gets up and he begins to explain and he says, this is what I'll do in the last days, quoting the prophet Joel. I'll pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will, become, will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Amen. I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles on the earth below. 
blood and fire, and pillars of clouds will appear. For the sun will be turned dark and the moon blood red before that great and awesome appearance of the day of the Lord. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter continued, people of Israel, listen to the facts. Jesus, the victorious, was a man on a divine mission whose authority was clearly proven. For you know how God performed many powerful miracles, signs, and wonders through him. This man's destiny was prearranged for God knew that Jesus would be handed over to you to be crucified and that you would execute him on a cross by the hands of lawless men. Yet it was all part of his predetermined plan. God destroyed the cords of death and raised him up because it was impossible for death's power to hold him prisoner. This is the very thing David prophesied about him. I continually see the Lord in front of me. He is at my right hand and I am never shaken. No wonder my heart is glad and my glory celebrates. My mouth is filled with his praises and I have hope that my body will live. Because you will not leave my soul among the dead, nor will you allow your sacred one to experience decay. For you have revealed to me the pathways to life. And seeing your face fills me with euphoria. My fellow Jews, I can tell you there is no doubt that our noted patriarch has both died and been buried in his tomb, which remains to this day. So you can see both that. So you can see that he was not referring to himself with those words, but as a prophet, he knew God's faithful promise made with God's unbreakable oath that one of his descendants would take his throne. So when peering into the future, David prophesied of the Messiah's resurrection and God revealed to him that the Messiah would not be abandoned to the realm of death, nor would his body experience decay. Can't you see it? God has resurrected Jesus, and we all have seen him. Then God exalted him to his right hand upon the throne of highest honor, and the Father gave him authority to send the promised Holy Spirit, which is being poured out upon us today. This is what you're seeing and hearing. David wasn't the one who ascended into heaven, but the one who prophesied. The Lord Jehovah said to my Lord, I honor you by throning you beside me until I make your enemies a footstool beneath your feet. Now everyone in Israel can know for certain that Jesus, whom you crucified, is the God, is the one God, is the one God has made both Lord and the Messiah. When they heard this, they were crushed and realized what they had done to Jesus. Deeply moved, they said to Peter and the other apostles, what do we need to do, brothers? Peter replied, repent and return to God. And each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. For God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your families, for those yet to be born, and for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Verse 40, Peter preached to them and warned them with these words, be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of this world. Those who believed the word that day 
numbered 3,000. They were all baptized and added to the church. <clears throat> the, the concept, the picture, the idea, the realization that I hope to convey today is after the suddenly, what it feels like to suddenly have power. My kids watch these shows, you know, where they lab rats and what's another one? Bionic humans, Thundermans, whatever. All these shows were these, and they, they rewire their motherboard. I don't know what they do. Help me hurry, what do they do? They, their chip, they reprogram their chip and they add new superpowers to it. Bionics. Okay, don't help me anymore, that's enough. Should be help me the rest of the service. <laughs> but they reprogram the chips and so it's kinda cool, you watch this show and it's always fun to watch what happens the first time they use one of those new powers. It's like, whoa, I can shoot lasers out my finger. That's crazy. And it's, it's just so cool. You know, I preached a sermon one time, several times actually. What, uh, I don't know, pursue what feels good, not what feels good. Okay? We need to pursue what feels good, not what feels good. What fills our life, not just what feels good in the moment, right? But the cool thing about God is if we'll get the right perspective and our feeler gets fixed, then what feels good feels good. So, I mean, the picture today, I just, I just want to paint this picture of how I think we should live every day discovering... New power. Peter, who denied Christ three times to a little girl around a campfire. Like clearly, Peter struggled with being able to declare anything with boldness about what was going on. Like, I'm not with him, that, that's not who he is, whatever. I mean, he, he struggled. He denied three times and even just cursed the last time to deny and so, Peter, who cursed, I can just imagine, I don't know about anybody else, but it, I know it's not all about feelings, but I know God was touched by our feelings, so he must be concerned about our feelings, right? And so, I can just imagine not only the amazing fruit of Peter's life, I like to think about how it felt, I mean, I want to know the realness of what happens when the kingdom of God that's infinite in power, that we cannot contain, how somehow it invades our body and is able to demonstrate itself through us, how does that feel? I mean, Peter, who's afraid and scared to talk and to say anything, all of a sudden... He had to just recognize it. You know, 
That's not in there, like how he came to speak. But Peter had to recognize that. Anybody ever just recognize that? Anybody ever just feel like an old preacher say, your help, come on? Anybody ever just be in a situation, right, and you really need the intervention of the Holy Spirit, and you just feel that help come on? Isn't that amazing feeling? We're not about feelings, but wouldn't it be awesome to feel that more often? You know how you feel that more often? You put yourself in more situations where you need that feeling to come on. See, this sanitary, stay in my corner, my foreign no more, have church with the same people every Sunday and sing the same songs and circle around and listen to the same uh, uh, scriptures, that is never going to demand of us to have that feeling come on. I want to be in situations where I'm surrounded by people who are clueless about what's going on in my life, but they recognize something's going on in my life. And I'm in that moment and I don't have a clue what I'm going to say. And I'm desperate for the Holy Spirit to speak through me. And then all of a sudden, I realize, you see Peter just look down. I mean, if, if, if the gift to speak and declare the word of God with power was something you could hold in your hand, I could just see your Peter look down and be like, are you serious? I mean, I was there. I mean, I saw him crucify you. I saw you raise again. You know, we did that whole thing where you came when I was fishing again, and you asked me if I love you three times, and you gave me the opportunity to redeem the three times that I denied you. I mean, we're like this, Jesus. We're close. But if I'm honest, I have to say that these 40 days and these 10 days and this time leading up to this moment, I've been a little bit afraid that how am I going to move forward? How am I going to continue to be a fisher of men and not only continue in what we were in, but see increase in it because you want us to go bigger. And if I'm honest, I've been a little bit reserved and I've been a little bit concerned about it. And all of my fears have just been vanquished in this moment where all of a sudden I realize I'm bold as a lion. How amazing, how exciting must that felt? for Peter to be in that moment so he could speak. You know, what's beautiful is John 14, 26 says, but when the Father sends the spirit of holiness, the one who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name and he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. The beautiful thing about Peter is not only was he bold, He was brilliant. Now, Peter, I mean, Peter cut off a guy's ear. I mean, he always was bold in some rights, right? But he wasn't always brilliant. So not only did the Holy Spirit give Peter boldness, but he's sitting here pulling up what David said. He's sitting here pulling up what Joel said. He's sitting there pulling up stuff. He was never educated in the scrolls. 
Yet in a moment's notice, he's able to say, this, we are not drunk as you suppose. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Y'all remember Joel? Joel said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your young men will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams. He says, don't y'all know this is, he was the Messiah like David prophesied about. You remember what David said? I wrote a song about it. Want to hear it? Here it goes. Nobody can pull that stuff up. Can you just imagine? Come on, guys. Just imagine with me for just a minute. The absolute excitement, the overwhelming joy of facing an obstacle and facing an opportunity to bring the kingdom into a situation and feeling inept and feeling unqualified, but in a moment, knowing just what to say and having the boldness and the power to say it. That's what happens after the suddenlies. We should operate in that. Matthew 10, 19, 20. So when they arrest you, don't worry about how to, how to speak or what you're to say, for the Holy Spirit will give you at that very moment the words to speak. It won't be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father repeatedly speaking through you. Look at Luke 12. Verse 11, and remember this, when people accuse you before everyone and forcefully drag you before the religious leaders and authorities, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Don't worry about defending yourself or being concerned about how to answer their accusations. Simply be confident and allow the spirit of wisdom access to your heart. And he will reveal in that very moment what you are to say to them. All we have to do is give the Spirit access to our heart. And He will tell us what to say. And He will lead us in every situation. Last one, 1 Corinthians 2, 12. For we did not receive the Spirit of this world system, but the Spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-revealed words. This is what our life should look like after a suddenly. We should be able to declare the gospel, the goodness, the good word, the good truth with boldness to all those that we come in contact with. Man, I'm not talking about um, let's all stand up and bring 3,000 people a day. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? But so many times we we just find a way of escape from any responsibility Because we justify, well, man, there's no way God would expect that from us. Could you speak to the three people you see at work every day in truth? Could you open your heart to the spirit of revelation so that you could speak the truth in love to the people you come in contact with every day? 
Can we quit walking around so intimidated and fearful and ashamed of who we are and what we walk in that the only time we can ever really be ourselves is in church? Yes. Dad, 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 dad. Dad, 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 dad. Acts chapter 3. So we should speak with boldness. We should speak with wisdom. We should speak with authority because of what the Holy Spirit has done in us. I love Acts chapter 3. One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for 3 o'clock prayer. As they came to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth. Being carried in place at the entrance to the temple, he was often brought there to beg for money from those going in to worship. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, look at us. Expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. Then Peter said, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Can you just imagine? Can you just imagine what that would be like? To just be able to look at someone. Later on, we see that this man was over 40 years old. That hits home to me. I'm 43 years old. And it says he was lame from his mother's womb. To be able to look at a man who's been lame his entire life and he's over 40 years old and have the confidence to make that type of declaration, not afraid that maybe God won't heal him, but to just say, you know what? I left my wallet at home, but I got something better than that. Stand up and walk. How amazing must that feel? to be in the sweet spot with God and the Holy Spirit flowing through our lives and being in power. Acts 1 and 8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the Holy Spirit will teach us. The Holy Spirit will equip us. The Holy Spirit will give us wisdom and discernment and knowledge and boldness to speak. And he will give us power to demonstrate the kingdom on earth. This is what it should look like after a suddenly... This is what it should look like after encounters with him. We should be ones that walk in wisdom and boldness and power and authority and demonstrate the kingdom to all those we come in contact with. So the man, Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man as he pulled the man to his feet. Suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned, then began to walk around. As he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, he leapt for joy and shouted praises to God. What kind of boldness did it take to reach down and grab a lame man and yank him up? What if it don't work? What if I pray for tumors to shrink and they don't shrink? What if I pray for healing to happen and it doesn't happen? 
It's not your responsibility to make it happen. Your responsibility is to be the mouthpiece that will release the kingdom. It's your responsibility to continue to declare wholeness and health and healing in Jesus' name. I got a feeling we're just, no, I don't got a feeling. I know we're so bound with fear. Half the things that we say aren't God are things that we wish were God. We're just too afraid to declare them. And because I don't have the power to do it, it must not be God because clearly I have everything that God could ever have. Where's the humility in following him? Where's the humility in saying, man, I don't understand all of this, but the Bible says to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I don't have to answer every accusation and every question. And I don't have to say, why is there any... COVID-19, when we're supposed to be able to heal the sick. I don't know. I just know there should be no COVID-19 because we're able to heal the sick. So welcome to join me on the journey of getting to the place where this world looks like the kingdoms of our God. Because that's where we're going. That's what we're after. Demonstrate the kingdom. Let heaven come on earth as it is in heaven. Is there corona in heaven? Then I want earth to look like heaven. And I'm not going to stop because I don't have all the answers to why it doesn't work every time. You know, I think that... I told you last week I'm very thankful for our governor. I read you... Didn't I read that last week? I read it to, I didn't read that? Read it to the staff. I read the release that our governor released about places of worship, which was incredibly powerful. Made it very clear that there was never a restriction. There's never a way to limit a church. They just made suggestions for churches, which was powerful. I mean, some very declarative, even legal language there that gives backbone to any argument a church would have in this time, straight from the governor. It was powerful. But there are some states, some local, city, county, state governments that don't share that opinion. And we got this thing going on. It sounds like a sci-fi movie. You know, if we were watching a sci-fi movie six months ago, and they started labeling the entire country by essentials and non-essentials. We would think that was just too far-fetched to even believe. Like, with all of our equal rights, you know, and with all of our PETA people, I mean, we would have to, you know, we, we had to guard the dogs and the animals and especially the people, right? I mean, I, I just stepped in it probably making those statements, but... You know, there's so many, I mean, everyone, everyone has to be acknowledged for the value of every little idea that they have and celebrated for every idea that they have, right? And everyone's idea is the most essential idea ever. That's how we have to treat everybody. Now, God does treat people all the same, and there's just as much value, and we're all the apple of his eye, but our ideas are not and our thoughts are not. So, I mean, it would be like, I would think there's no way anybody could ever get by with trying to 
decide who's essential and not essential, but yet we did. It's not a sci-fi movie. We're there. In some states and governments and city and county and all those have deemed churches as non-essential. I listened to one prominent governor try to explain why liquor stores were essential, but churches weren't. And literally, it was a mental health issue. People who become accustomed to having so much liquor a day or whatever, you can't, we can't possibly send our culture into that type of turmoil to where we take away the liquor and then they lose their mental health. But yet, there is no acknowledgement of spiritual need to gather together with other believers and how that affects people. But I would say... Uh, we didn't become non-essential when some ge governor decided we were non-essential. For a governor to be able to make that declaration in the state, the church in that state had to become non-essential way before that governor made that declaration. I've said it before. I, 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 I want, when someone goes to a job interview, that putting on your application that you're a believer in Christ is more powerful than saying you graduated from Harvard. When the church walks in integrity and does what they say they're going to do and believes what they say they're going to believe, then we'll see that type of influence and favor in our country. I want even the alcoholics who love their alcohol from the liquor store, I want them to even be outside the governor's mansion protesting, saying, look, if I have to choose between the two, close my liquor store. I can't live without the church. I can't live without those people from the church. Those people from the church, even though I don't go there, even though I don't attend there, if they weren't in my community, I would be dead. They've met me at my lowest point multiple times. They've came and they've shared truth with me and they've loved me. If you've got to take one, take the liquor store. The church should be so essential that any state that tries to deem it otherwise would have a revolt on their hands. Close the schools, close the bars, close the nightclubs, close the malls, close everything. But you can't close the churches in our community because we've seen such a drastic change in our community because of that church on the hill shining a light. We've seen such significant change in our community. We've seen such powerful change in our community that we don't care if we don't ever leave our house except for one day a week. But you've got to leave us the church. That's what should happen after a suddenly. That's what should happen when people are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So this man is crippled and they operated in power. You want to know what else happens? If you keep reading, in Acts chapter 4, they got thrown in jail. After a, th after a suddenly, some people should be getting thrown in jail.
You know what happens before we're so essential the world doesn't want us? The world hates us so much they want to put us in jail, but we keep preaching the truth like Peter and John did, and then eventually they say we can't live without them. But we want to skip the jail. We quit before the jail, and we never get to the place of favor. We always want to run at the first sign of persecution. We want to run at the first sign. We get intimidated, and we back up, and we stop, and we never press through to the promise. We're not going to be able to influence our world if we can't press through some persecution. It's true. Yeah. So Peter and John were jailed, and they met with the high priest and all the leaders, and they were just so amazed by them. They're like, what are we going to do? We want to stop them, but we can't stop them because everybody knows the miracles that they've done are genuine miracles. I mean, the guy standing here, over 40 years old, he's been lame, and now he's running around leaping in the temple. I mean, what are we going to do? And then they start talking. Read Acts chapter 4. The high priest and all of them said, man, and then they talk, and we realize that these are uneducated people who've never been taught from the law or the scrolls, and all of a sudden they know as much as we know. What do we do with these kind of people? The world around us should be in a conundrum. What do we do with these type of people that operate in such power and operate in such wisdom and operate in such love and compassion? You got to stand with me. I'm going to... Exit quickly, like I just passed it on the interstate. We got all the kids in here with us, and I feel the, the kid alarm clock going off. About 20 minutes ago, and I just kept going. I've been hitting snooze for 20 minutes. But I tell you right now, Speaking of the kids, I've seen the young prophesy. I saw Elias. He was, how old was Elias, John? Nine years old. Nine years old. I saw his lips start stammering, shaking, quivering. And I heard him begin to just speak in other tongues. I saw Josiah, who was seven at the time, just crying, pouring tears. His lips just start quivering, and I heard him start to just speak in other tongues. I saw Nisi, who was eight at the time. She just starts speaking in tongues. I mean, <laughs> And that's great, and that was so powerful and so wonderful. But more powerful than that, I saw adults. Elias came up to us and said, I feel like I need to say something to that adult over there. Can I go speak to him? And I said, yeah, go speak to him. And to this day, I don't know what he said to several people. He walked up to this lady and just whispered something in her ear. And she just started running around, laughing hysterically and screaming and shouting, praising God. He just prophesied a truth to her. 
reality. I've seen the young prophesy. I've received prophecy from the young. It's so powerful. I've seen dreams, heard dreams from the young. Not to doubly pick on Elias today, but how was he with St. Patrick? Nine, same time. One night Elias told us he had a dream. Woke us up, didn't he, in the middle of the night or the next day? Told us he had a dream. He was in his bed and there was this massive man with a sword and a beard, a red beard. Was it a red beard? And a kilt. He's wearing a kilt. Holding a sword. He speak to him. What'd he say? What'd he say, son? You're not too young to die. What? That's crazy. That's fearful. Unless it's a Holy Spirit dream and it doesn't invoke fear. Elias was born on St. Patrick's Day. He had a dream about a man with a red beard and a kilt and a sword saying you're not too young to die. And he knew that he would die. And, you know, he was going to die to his flesh. Die to another life that maybe other kids had. Not too young to surrender, not too young to die. I've seen prophecy not work for the kids. One day there was a dismembered frog on the front porch. Elias got excited. He'd heard mom and dad prophesy and declare stuff and he said, that frog will live and not die. (laughs) And I just said, so be it. Great time, God, for an amazing miracle here. Didn't work that time. I believe it. 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 I believe our old men will dream dreams. Our young men will have visions. And everybody, young and old, and man, woman, boy and girl, will prophesy. Prophesy. Suddenly, and we're going to be like Peter. And we're going to say, God, man, it's one thing that you sent your son to die for me and secure my place in heaven and get brought redemption of my sins. That was enough. 
That was more than I could ever deserve or ever, ever earn. That free gift of salvation was ama is amazing. But what is this? What is this? This is crazy talk. I literally get to have power, have wisdom, have understanding and have boldness. This is too good to be true. No, it's not ignorant, brethren. It's just right. We lift our hands where you are today. Lord, we just ask you, once again, pause that for just a minute, everybody. I just want to, one more time, I don't remember if it's Acts 3 or 4, but just in case anybody gets hung up on this, Peter, all the disciples, uh, Peter and John, after they get out of jail, they, they're back with the other disciples. They're back with a group of people, and they start telling them about all this stuff. And Peter and John say, Lord, give us boldness to preach. And they all agreed in prayer, and they all started praying, and guess what happened? Now, this is after Acts 2. They were all, the, the earth shook, and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit. So some of you might say, well, man, I've already, blah, blah. Hey, be refilled. Would you lift your hands? Lord, we just ask you. Just like was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Pour your spirit out on all flesh. Let our old men dream dreams, our old women dream dreams, our young men have vision, our young women have vision. Let our sons and daughters prophesy. Let all of us prophesy. The gift is for us and our children and as many as you shall call, and we're the called ones. We ask you for wisdom. We ask you for discernment. We ask you for boldness. We ask you for power to demonstrate the kingdom. Give us the confidence to do what we believe, what we say we believe. And let signs and wonders follow us all the days of our lives. Let lives be transformed. Let bodies be healed. Let minds be renewed. Let those that have been dealing with hopelessness receive the Word of God from our lips and let it bring about expectation in their lives. Let our words be saturated, not words of human wisdom, but words of spirit revelation. Let them come with such power and such authority and let them bring transformation in Jesus' name.
Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. some of y'all are going to have moments this week you're going to have moments this week where you're looking down at your hands and think my goodness what just happened goodness what happened will you lift your hands again Lord will you make these hands hands of healing let our hands carry healing in Jesus name let the healing of heaven flow through our hands let us touch those that are sick and they be made well let us touch tumors and they shrink. Let us touch migraines and they go away. Let us touch all types of infirmities and they vanish in Jesus' name. Use our hands to heal. Use our words to heal. Use our bodies, use our obedience to bring about your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.